for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, I am blue. You are bright and shiny in my mind. You got me loving, hating, crazy indecision in my mind. Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blisey. Okay, we are hot, we are live, and we are back for our, I guess, second annual, I guess you could call it, Kansas Deer Camp uh, Review. <laughs> Life on the road. Life on the road. <laughs> we did this last year, I mean, I think basically a year ago today almost but i uh, thought it'd be good to get on here and do some updates of where we're at and what's going on but also i want to dive into some relevant stuff that's happening right now i mean it's october 26th the rut is getting ready to kick off here and i want to get into that stuff as well oh yeah the end of october there's always lots to talk about when it comes to deer hunting <laughs> yeah it's definitely what we you know as deer hunters you know, look forward to all year, and it's here, so it's time to make hay while the sun is shining. So, I'm just going to get my cot here. It is a Saturday afternoon, and we are just kind of taking it easy. Yeah, for a change. <laughs> yep, watching some football, and uh, we just found out that the wind has switched for tonight, which is really not not very ideal for the situation that we want to be in. Well, not only, bleh, choking on my tongue. Not only is the wind switching, it's actually the entire sit. It's going to switch. Yeah. One hour it's north, then it's northwest, and then it's west, and then it's west-southwest, and then it's southwest. Well, and then tomorrow goes to, what would you say, southwest? Yep, and then tomorrow night, though, it's going to circle all the way around the northeast. So that's. I mean, I don't, I don't get what it's doing Yeah, it's, Mother Nature. It's Kansas. It's being Kansas. Exactly. 
Well, let's let's kind of give everybody an update to, you know, where we're at right now. And then, you know, we were down here, when did we get here? The 10th of October? Yep. And stay for a week. And that trip was kind of a, you know, last couple of years, the deer were starting to show up on camera that time. And we thought we, you know, it'd be good to be here to try to catch them. And, you know, we saw a couple of good bucks first couple of nights we were here. And then it just kind of slowly petered out. Yep. I, I think. That trip, you know, it was a, let's see if we can get down there early and get on one. Um, I think what we ran into is that kind of transition because if you think about it, you know, all the crops, even, even you know, the beans in particular still had leaves and everything. And then by the time we left, they were starting to lose them. So I think anytime you can pay attention to the changes like that, you can start to realize that the deer are probably changing as well. Going to change. You know, yeah. so... I think they kind of got out of that summer pattern and started to transition during that week that we were here, and it's kind of getting up and roaming and, you know, trying to figure out what, what their next move is. So yep. I think we hit a little bit of that for sure. And go figure, the first night we go to Mission Impossible and Keegan sits top of junkyard, Casper walks to 20 yards in yeah. front of him with no weapon because he was scouting. I mean, seriously, we had two options. <laughs> it was Mission Impossible, it was, and we're talking the first set, like the first, first night, sit first of the set. year. It's like, all right, first sit, here we go. We can either go top of junkyard into the banks, or we can go Mission Impossible into a Millennium double set. And I hadn't hung in a tree yet, so yep. I, like, at least from a hunting perspective, I obviously filmed you in Iowa, but. I was all about, like, I just want to be in a tree again. Get in a like, tree. Yeah, get me in a tree again. It's going to feel so good. And that was the wrong move. Yep. <laughs> uh, what do you do? And then it just happened to us again last night. Yep. You know, we go sit in Nomad, and the Reconic cell cams go off, and there's Casper, same deer that Keegan had, in front of the mousetrap stand yep. that we were going to go sit as well. Yep, and another <laughs> big eight. So that's a big eight as well, yeah. Twice so far this season that uh and they both both been first night sits when we got down here. So it's you know, they zig and we zag and that's the story of a whitetail season. It is. Although I got we were talking about it a little bit last night. I gotta start going with my gut more. Yeah. I don't know. I just I gotta go with my gut and I gotta roll with what I think's gonna work. Well and that's not only you. I mean that's every deer hunter, whitetail hunter. It's always you always overthink things you think and you always put these scenarios into, like, uh, the wind, you know, maybe it's not wind, but, you know, if deer come out here, it's it's almost like you're looking for a reason to not go there, but it's not that. It's, sure. you know, there's yep. so many things that could be a factor. You know, you always put in those factors, and then it's like, oh, you're trying to weigh those factors, and, yep. you know, we well, didn't see a deer last night, and then Casper and that big eight were in front of that stand, so. Yep, but it's, you know. The thing that's weighing on me right now is we have no shakes on camera. Yep. We have no bob on camera. We have no sundown on camera. We have mm-hmm. no stew on camera. We have no Gaylord Fokker on camera. We have no dolly on camera. We have a lot of deer still missing. <sighs> but I'll also throw this out there. We have the war horse who now you and I have two confirmed sightings with. Yes. And we haven't seen that deer nor got a picture of that deer in two years. Two years. I mean, what the hell? Well, and Bob Barker, too. I mean, Bob Barker was here last year, and he's back. Yep. 
but and, and way bigger. I thought way bigger. I honestly thought like winter kale. He gone. Like I thought he was toast. Yeah. After last year, the shape he was in. I mean, he was rough looking. I thought, yeah, that deer's just the winter's gonna kill him. Yeah. And he's back this year, and he's a stud. He's big. <laughs> like he's awesome. Yeah. And he weighs six hundred and forty-five pounds. And he's thirteen and a half years old. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know my my point to saying that is back to your point about like you're almost looking for a reason not to go somewhere some of these stand sets that we have i'm just like overly cautious especially when it comes to the wind because the potential for shakes to just step out is there is there yep if you're doing things properly exactly if you go in there and you're risky with the wind or you're trying to you know slide one by Chances are you're not going to see him, but the right. fact that, you know, and then on the other hand, we don't have him on camera yet, so, I mean, hell, he he could be coyote bait right yeah. now. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like you got to take those things into consideration no matter what, like you said. Even if you, I mean, everybody's got their own shakes, whatever it is, yeah. whatever he is, you know, and you yep. got to take those things into precaution, and, you know, that's, that's just the factors that you uh, have to weigh out, I guess, and, you know, because... Like, we're literally 10 minutes talking about going to check the cameras down here in the bottom, and we got, you know, ideally it's best to check them on a south wind, and we don't have a south wind right now, so we're we're staying out. You know, we haven't checked those cameras in, you know, a couple weeks now, and we want to get down there and check them, but... And I could be down there and check those cameras in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. we'd be done. Yep. But it doesn't make sense to do it on a north wind. Yeah. You know, I mean... Why risk it on a north wind when I know I can't screw anything up if I do it on a south wind? Yep. So, I mean, it's just those little extra precautions, you know. Like I said, Shakes could step out here. Hell, he could be living down, you know, he could be all over uh, Dawson's Creek camera right now. We just just don't know. We just don't know because we haven't checked it. Right. right? So, yeah, it's it's that mental game. The the mental game begins. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I want to get into some relevant stuff here. And like I said, it's uh, October 26th. And, you know, personally, the next <clears throat> the next seven days usually is, like, my favorite time to, like, get in the woods and really get into you, – because you're going to see, you know, typically you're going to see more mature deer up on their feet, in which we have. Like the last couple – you know, yesterday we saw some mature deer up on their feet midday, you know, because they're looking for the first doe in heat. But uh, you know we got we're we're seeing a lot of ground scrapes and a lot of deer hitting scrapes and on trail cams we're getting a lot of deer that are sparring and starting to fight a little bit. So I want to start off by talking about scrapes and hunting scrapes and you know your tactic for hunting right now. You know what's the first thing you're going in for right now? Um, let's say you just showed up to a spot and you know. You're gonna do a little bit of glassing, and you're gonna you're gonna try to find these deer and where they're at. I get that, but are you gonna try to hunt some scrapes? Or are you gonna get in there? Or are you gonna use those for intel? And are you gonna hunt other places? So scrapes are a tricky subject. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, the thing that I love scrapes for, particularly community scrapes, which are the ones you hear guys talk about all the time when they say it's the size of a hood of a truck. Yep, those are community scrapes, right? The thing that community scrapes are phenomenal for, in my opinion, is intel. Yep. Those are gigantic signposts that every whitetail in that area, if they come by, they're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna go up. They're gonna they're gonna leave their scent. They're gonna 
uh, you know, they're going to make it known that they're in, in this area. So I really like using community scrapes for Intel. When it comes to hunting scrapes, that's a whole different ball game. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times the majority of scrape activity is after dark. Yep. Um, but I kind of like to look at scrapes as opposed to an individual scrape. I try to back it up. Like imagine you're you're looking at a map and you zoom out into the sky and you're looking down, right? I try to figure out from scrapes direction of travel. Like can that scrape or that scrape line reveal where a buck is going from A to B? Mm-hmm. You know, where is A and what is B as the final destination and how is he getting there? So if you can start to uncover some solid scrapes, um, you know, that directionally makes sense from bedding to feed or from bedding to bedding or, you know, something along those lines, then I think it's worth setting up in that area. Now, there's always the exception to the rule. There's always the exception of, you know, you might be dead smack in the core of a deer's area and he's got five or six scrapes in that turf that he checks religiously every single day, right? Um, You know, we've got one right now over on the road stand that's got that old mature eight Mm -hmm. that, I mean, he's coming in there every day. That's his core area. Yep. He's, He's coming in. He's hitting that scrape every single day. Um, I happen to think the war horse has got a scrape over under that cedar yep. that we've seen him at twice now. Uh, and you bet your ass that we're going to go in there and check. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should do that today on a should. north wind. We have we a really, good wind for it. Yeah, we got a great wind to do it today. Um, but again, I think that's his that's his core turf, right? Yep. I mean, two years ago, I got a picture of him 150 yards from yeah. there. And and then yesterday midday saw him, saw him and then there. this morning saw him in the same spot exactly. we saw him yesterday exactly so you know I know that's a long winded answer but it really boils down to the giant hood of the truck scrapes or community scrapes are phenomenal for your intel and listen community scrapes are also good to hunt over yeah I would not hesitate to hunt over a community scrape as a matter of fact I think you know, over in the road stand. We could go kill that deer in the next three days and probably. That, and that is a community scrape that's there, yes. right? So I think, you know, your odds increase of seeing numbers of deer and, you know, having potential multiple shooters come by if you are over top of a community scrape. I think when you get to individual buck scrapes, if you're not trying to follow a pattern or you're not trying to look as it, uh, you know, look at it as a travel route, right? I think you you slim your chances way down mm-hmm. um, and you're just hoping, you know, by chance he comes through there in the daytime because, you know, in my experience anyway, majority of scrape activity, aside from field edge scrape, stuff like that, uh, you know, is done under the cover of darkness. You know, you're talking about field edge scrapes, so... What do you look at those as, are those just kind of like a, you know, would you hunt those or, you know, what kind of scenario would you hunt them in if you would? And why, I guess, are there field edge scrapes if you have an answer for that in your opinion? Yeah. So, um, so field edge scrapes, I think, uh, a lot of times, you know, again, I come back to natural travel corridors for deer, right? Yep. Um, you know, you got a, you got a finger of timber or something that stretches out into a field, you know, they're chances are the deer are going to walk that finger of timber long before they ever walk out through the wide open mm-hmm. field. Yep. Um, so that's kind of how I try to boil it down and how I try to look at all of those things. And you and I have talked about this before, but it's kind of something that, you know, maybe the audience would like to hear is when it comes to hunting this time of the year, I'm still looking for what the deer do 
well, it's a very deery thing for yes. deer to do. Yep. You know, I think we can get so caught up in, in trying to, you know, um, hunt over a particular scrape or hunt rub lines or something like that. But still, I try to go back to the very basics of a deer lives at A and he travels through B to get to C, mm-hmm. right? Um, whether it's bucks or does. And I don't think you can go wrong that way. You're going to see more deer that way. Um, there's just those natural funnels, those natural corridors and travel routes that these deer take that by all means, they should be scraping along the way. They should be rubbing along the way. They should be doing all the things that, that bucks do this time of year along the way, you know? (laughs) So when it comes to like, would I hunt over a field edge scrape? Well, yes, not in particular because it's a scrape that's there but i would hunt it because it makes sense for the deer to utilize that field edge to travel right and they happen to also be scraping which tells me that they're there right you know so um it's a again you know the subject of scrapes and rubs and hunting over top of them i mean that can it, it's a tricky thing because it really is you know you could have one deer like the one we have over on the road stand that'll completely prove me wrong every single time that deer shows up <laughs> to that scrape every day, yep. and that's just what he does, you know. But I happen to think that's the exception to the rule, not the normal. Yep. And right now, I mean, scrapes are being used for bucks are coming back and frequently checking those just because the does are hitting them too, you know, and they're trying to yep. figure out what kind of estrus scent is laid out in there and, and try to try to find those does that it could be nearby yep you know so that's in like you know the road stain talking about that old eight i think that is his core you know i think he's right there i mean we saw him yesterday we drove up to him on the in the crp field with a with our electric ranger he had no idea we were there 50 yards away had no clue yep and you know and he's all over that camera so that's pretty cool to see but you know and I got something to add too, like with the intel on scrapes, like I found even in Michigan out of my farms there, like especially in Michigan actually, you know, a lot of guys like to put cameras right on the scrape that the tree's on. I I tend to like stay away from that a little bit because I've been burnt a couple times doing that. Um, you know, it, it can make for some great pictures and great video, but you know, when the deer comes up right to that camera and usually the tree's not very far from the licking branch and you know, there's scent on it. I like to get it away, maybe, you know, a different direction on a different tree. Do you have any thoughts on, on putting cameras, you know, over scrapes and where to do it and why? Yep. I don't put them on the same tree. I'm just like you are. I mean, unless that's the only situation. Unless it's the only option. Yeah, yeah. unless that's the only option. Like you look at uh, where we saw the warhorse. I mean, there's just, there is no other place that yep. you're going to catch him, you know, on that scrape. Um so I always try to go different tree, you know, road stand is a case in point. I think it's 15 yards, you know, 10 or 15 yep. yards away on a different tree. Um, you know, you just have to think that, you know, these deer are so familiar with these areas and they're so familiar with the terrain. One little thing shows up out of place like that and you risk sending them, you know, over to the next property or sending 100%. them to who knows, you know, where the hell they go. So, um, you know, and that's just a personal preference. And I try, I try to be as unobtrusive as humanly possible with all my trail cameras, you know, even on crossings and stuff like that. Like you think about junkyard blind down in there, you know, that particular crossing, that camera's, you know, a good 15, 20 yards away from the, from the actual crossing. Yep. There's spots I could put it right on the crossing, but yep. why, yeah. you know, why I don't need it there. If I can put it, 
in a in a spot that's a little more tucked and a little more unobtrusive and still gather the intel I need, then that's the route that I take. Yeah. You know, and, and right now, um, you know, like I said, it's the 26th, and the the deer are starting to get a little frisky. They're starting to get uh, get into – they're starting to feel that <clears throat> testosterone and the, the air is changing, I feel like. And, you know, some does are probably coming into heat. When I was in Michigan last week in hunting, I mean, I had – one morning I had three bucks chasing does all over, grunting, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some younger, younger deer doing it, and you're always going to get that, but – the the switch is going to flip here in a matter of days. I mean, and it's going to be on here. I think. I mean, here it might be. It take. I don't know what's your thoughts on on rut here right now where we're at. So where we're in Kansas here, I think this rut is a little bit later traditionally than everywhere. At least in the last three years, that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be as late this year as it has been. Uh, I think it's more towards mid November to Thanksgiving on the late end. Um, but I also, you know, I look at everything right now. Um, you know, we've got great temperatures. Great um, temps. Yeah. You know, these next two days are going to be a little warm, but for the most part, we got really good temps. We got, you know, nights down in the 30s, days in the 40s yep. and 50s. Uh, we even have snow coming up. Three supposedly. inches. Yeah, yeah, they're saying three inches uh, in October, which is just insane for down here. I mean, I can remember two years ago, you and I sitting in November in 75 degrees. Yep. So. I think we got really good temperatures um, right now. I think, you know, start to take into consideration push and pull of the moon. Yep. Um, you know, some moon times and, and what the moon's doing. Uh, also, phase of the moon, so where we're at, right? Um, you know, we're coming up the full moon, I think, this year, 2019, is the 13th of November, I think. Yeah, 12th or 13th, somewhere right in there. Yeah, so you got to figure, you know, that moon should kick the does actually into estrus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if that moon kicks the does into estrus, then they got to be getting frisky leading up to that. And we're staring at two and a half to three weeks yep. from right now. Um, you know, so, so they don't have a lot of time to get their shit together. Um, I think, I think they're out and about right now. I think they're cruising. I think this weather continues to drop and get cold. We're going to, you know, keep seeing some really good activity. And that's, you know, that's another thing that, Again, tricky subject is, you know, what causes the rut? Well, there's 12 million different theories <laughs> out there, you know. Yeah. The, you know, you hear it all the time. Well, it's warm. The deer aren't aren't rutting. Right. Oh, yes, they are. They're just doing it under the cover of darkness at, exactly. the, at the coolest point of the day. The right? rut happens every year. Has it to. does. It has to happen. <laughs> it has to. So, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you go back and you start looking at, you know, 196-day gestation period and start seeing when the bulk of the fawn crop drops. You know, it's, uh, it has to happen every single year. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, this year we're shaping up to, to see a pretty good rut with, like I said, all things considered, uh, temperature is a factor and all that stuff. Yep. Now, what's your, what's your opinion for the next six or seven days? What are your thoughts? What, what's your game plan? Like you and I talk about it a little bit, but like, what is, what is your, what is your thinking for the next, you know, cause we know what the weather's supposed to be. We know what the wind, what, what the moon and everything is going to be. Yep. What are your thoughts on the next, you know, week? I think we're getting over that period of time. And I think we ran into this the last trip that we were down here. There's that period of time where not long after the deer start shedding their velvet, um, you know, you start to get into October, they start to change their patterns and then uh, they do at least what I call they go dark. Right. Yep. I mean, a lot of people talk about the October lull. 
I personally think what it is is I think it's a buck starting to move around more. I think they still stay relatively contained yeah. to the same area throughout the summer. I think it's it's him starting to, you know, venture out. Okay, let's go check this over here. Let's go see if I can find some family groups of doe. I mean, it's almost doing they're doing their homework. Right. You know, they're doing their due diligence and they're getting prepped up and ready because they only have a limited time once the rut hits to actually make it happen. So I think we're coming out of that right now. Um, I think we've got some new deer showing up on camera, uh, which is always good and exciting. Excuse me. Oh, my God. I might be going into the October lull here soon <laughs> enough. So I th- anyway, I think we're coming out of that lull. So my tactic uh, moving forward right now um, is to hunt does, to 100%, be honest. yep. Um, I want to start hunting the does because where the does are, the bucks will be, they might not be there right this second, but they're going to be there. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, you know, the food sources and trying to get on edges and travel routes and stuff like that. Because if I can hunt the does right now, the bucks are curious. Like you said, we've seen more mature deer on their feet in the the last two days than we have all year. Right. So, you know, it's only a matter of time until... Those bucks know those does go out into those fields to feed at night. They know that they're mm-hmm. headed into the beans or wherever it may be. So guess what? You know, oh, I got a I got a good wind. I'm gonna go check. Yep. I'm gonna go. You know, walk that field edge and see if I can sniff out that early doe. Yep. You know, that's just happening to come into heat. So, um, so I'm gonna start there and and we'll see what happens. You know, from there, if we need to adjust and get buried in bedding areas, we can. Um, but let's play a conservative. Let's watch it from a distance. Let's get out. You know, and it's it's not like we're really at a distance. We're just hunting, you know, more open field and stuff where we can see yeah, and we can observe yeah. a little bit better. So that's kind of my game plan. Yeah, and I, I agree 100% with that. That's where I like to do is just go where the does want to be. Yep. You know, whether that be a food source, whether that be a staging area, or I don't know. I mean, yep. monitor those cameras a little tighter now, I feel like. Find out where the does want to be, get there, and and ride head the hole. I mean, that's the yeah. best thing you can do because the thing is, is once the first week or second week of, of November hits, I mean, all hell's going to break loose, and you're not going to know where those yeah. does are going to want to be. You know, the bean fields that have 30, 30 does in it a night right now, you know, is going to diminish a lot. And Yep. You know, find those does and the bucks will be there because the bucks are getting frisky right now. The younger ones are going to start, you know, come up and trying to check and try to check all these does. And, and the big ones will be there right there just to because the more more mature bucks going to try to get the first doe in heat. So. Sure. Well, and they're only going to put up with those young bucks. They're going to put up with their shit for so long. Right. You know, and yep. then it's going to become I, I think you've got that unique time where, you know, for a couple of days leading up to, you know, when all hell breaks loose, you've got that like. You know, the old buck kind of walking around like, yeah, look at this dumbass. Yeah. You know, running around acting like an idiot. Well, a couple of days of that, and all of a sudden he becomes a threat to where it's like, you know what? He might get the first doe. I can't let him do that right. anymore. Yeah. I got to, I, I have to, okay, I got to step my game up. Yep. <laughs> so. For sure. You know, and again, this is all just translation of how I try to think about it in my head. Um, and, and then once all hell breaks loose, like you said, those, those fields that may have 20, 30 deer in them right now. I mean, shit, when you get all these bucks chasing and running and everything else, you know, that's where those does are like, oh, boy, they get real skittish, and you can just tell by how they act. You know, and then I think even transitioning from there, the other place that I think uh, we really need to pay attention to or any bow hunter needs to pay attention to is those little off-the-wall spots Yeah, where 
these bucks will take these does, especially the first ones in, mm-hmm. where it's out of the way. It's not traditionally going to hold deer. You know, it's uh, it's an obscure location, but by gosh, they'll take them there, yep. and they do that on purpose. Yep. They, they do that for a reason because they don't have to de- want to deal with anybody else. Yep. You know, look back to uh, even like strong arm last year. Uh, yeah, I killed real well. <laughs> Jeez, sorry. Uh, strong arm last year. Strong arm? Um, not strong arm. Not strong arm at all. Sundown. Sundown. Yeah, sundown. Yep. You look at sundown last oh, year. Oh, yeah, in the he, ditch. Where yep. he took that doe in the ditch, you know. I mean, we've never seen a deer in there. Nope. The entire time that we've been down here. And sure enough, sundown decided to take his doe right there. You know why? Because he knew there were no other deer there. And that and that spot was bulletproof. I mean, we tried to do a stalk on him, yeah. and we got to within, I don't know, 30 yards of him, but there was no way we were going to get any closer. We yep. couldn't see him. Like, he was on the edge of a, you know, well, he was on the point of a ditch to a big open CRP field, and it was just, it was. he knew that area, and he knew he wasn't going to get bothered over there. Yep. He had us from the get-go. You know, he was above us. He had the wind in his favor. He had that doe buried in the in that little patch at the top where, I mean, there was just no getting to him. No matter which way we came from, he had the drop on us. Yeah. So. And there, you know, there's another spot that I was thinking of the other day, too. You know, in the cornfield up top on uh, the milk farm, you know, there's that there's that tower in the middle of the cornfield. All yep. the, it's probably an yep. acre or two acres maybe of, of tall CRP Just, out in the middle of this yeah, cornfield brush and, with yeah. brush. And that's like a spot where I feel like you'd find a buck sure. with a doe, sure. you know, there, um, there's another one, uh, basically on that, uh, it would be the South fence line. Uh, the fence line you walk in to get to the blind. Yep. That South fence line's got another, there's like, that little acre, jet out in there. Yep. Half patch. Yep. Of just buck brush and shrub and, you know, basically bullshit. Stuff that you write off, you look at it, you're like, eh, yeah, no deer live in there. Well, they might not live in there, but guess what? You get a doe that comes in earlier, even in the middle of the rut, like, they'll take does into there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what they're doing. They're looking for that seclusion so they don't have to compete with anybody. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, cool. I just want to get on here and do a little update. We're up, you know, 30 minutes here and we got to get out and probably go, we should go scout that warhorse area maybe. Yep. And, uh. I could eat this rug right now. I'm so hungry, so I think I'm going to get some lunch. and. I'll get a little chicken and dumpling today. Yeah, can't wait. A little soup action. A little deer camp classic. A little soup action. So Yeah, we'll get out there and we'll go uh, go check out the war horse, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll be back with an update sooner rather than later with the deer on the ground. Hopefully, yeah, th- for sure. But uh, for everybody out there that is following along on the podcast and wants to see some things that we're doing in the field right now, go to the Kiefer Brothers YouTube channel. And check out all the videos and the chapters that we're doing. Basically, we're doing uh, week by week episodes that we're calling chapters. Um, you know, Year Nine Iowa just dropped two days ago, so that's on there. Chris's uh, early season buck kill is on there as well. So go check out all that stuff. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, leave some comments in the in the comment section below. We really appreciate all the support. And uh, yeah. We'll be back to you guys here soon with an update. Thanks for listening. I am natural.